What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 223 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. Wednesday, of course, being the original OG day that we used to podcast for the longest time, I think. Isn't that right? I don't know. Yeah. And that voice that you just heard was not in your head. I mean, it was a voice in your head, but it, it was generated from an outside source. And this voice's name is, is Mike. He's my co-host. You probably already know that by now, but uh, how, you, how you doing there, Mike? We don't have a lot of time this episode, but we can run through little short bits about our life. Um, I'm doing fine. Just uh, dealing with uh, the fact that I'm going to be turning 32 on Sunday, you know, um, but it should be fun. I got a fun day of uh, shopping uh, scheduled on Friday because I have a day off from work then. So you can finally vote. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing that uh, for a while. So, um. And, you know, things at work are just fine. Nothing too crazy. I mean, I had one older guy who was impatient as hell and didn't want to wait 10 more seconds for me to try to fix the situation. But, you know, that's just how it is sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my gigs have been relatively fine. No bar fights this week. Thank God. Because they banned a lot of the people who were the problem, and I'm just sitting here like, yeah, don't you see the correlation? Like, you ban the stupid people and dumb shit doesn't happen. Like, uh, you know, duh. But, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that gig. And I am trying to book a little mini three-day tour in Florida um from in St. Petersburg, Orlando and Gainesville and uh the Orlando booking is turning out to be a pain in the ass. And that's all of our lives. Um this is a, a podcast about unsolved mysteries. Yet again, the sh- shovel master, which is me, uh I keep digging up new gems for us to talk about. And this week we're going to be uh talking about the Wickenburg massacre in the case of Amber Schwartz. But Mike will start us off with the Wickenburg Massacre. So the Wickenburg Massacre is one of those legends cases. Uh, It takes place uh, in the Old West. And there is a controversy surrounding uh, whether or not the massacre was uh, done by Indians or uh, Apaches. Like uh, the last remaining survivors of the massacre said it was. So, uh, on November 5th, 1871, 15 uh, Yavapai Indians allegedly attacked and killed six passengers on the Wickenburg Stagecoast westbound for San Bernardino, California. Um, So, I guess it's not Apache Indians, it's Yavapai, my bad. Um... Well, in the segment, they say, it's Apaches. Yeah, it, they do. So it's a little they, little confusing. The Yavapai kind of got scapegoated um, for Apaches. Like, they they thought it was Apache. They went to this settlement that they thought were Apaches, but it was actually Yavapai, yeah. who were really a peaceful tribe. 
So, uh, I know California has been around forever, but I'm just so used to San Bernardino being some kind of, uh, spot in California for, uh, characters in like films and stuff like that so I, I half expect it to be like some kind of fast times at Bridgemont High kind of scenario <laughs> you know in San Bernardino yeah it's always it's 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 really weird to hear like current cities talked about in like you know in the context of like 200 years ago yeah like it's just like damn that's crazy that'll make you feel really old <laughs> doesn't make me feel old it just it, it's like just the the passage of time uh, yeah you know, is such a a crazy uh kind of thing definitely is so uh apparently this was also on the la paz road one of the victims was frederick loring a famous writer from boston survivor william kruger carried molly shepherd to safety but she apparently died of an infection months later when questioned about the attack, Kruger claimed that at least 15 Navapai Indians attacked them as they were coming through the area. This is a segment from, I believe, the eighth season. And uh, all I got to say is the acting here is pretty bad. I mean, it's high school play levels of terrible. It was mainly from uh, Kruger. He was the main uh, offender. Uh, the the other guy too. His commanding uh, the the guy who was interrogating him. He was pretty bad too. Yeah, he was he was you know garden variety. But the Kruger when he was explaining what happened after they were ambushed or whatever, like he, he's just like he was just overselling that so much. He he gave me a uh, five year old energy you know vibes where the kid is trying to explain shit that happened yeah. to you and then this happened and then this happened and then then this and then this and then that and then i swear <laughs> i swear that it happened just like that and and you know only by the grace of god was i able to make it out i tell you it was insane you know like yeah it was uh pretty pretty good pretty classic bad uh bad acting that you for come, sure come to expect every now and then. So uh, he uh, claimed that at least 15 Yavapai Indians attacked them. Uh, one of the passengers attempted to confront the Indians, but was then shot and scalped. Kruger claimed that he and uh, several other passengers tried to shoot back at their assailants, but they were unsuccessful. Eventually, he and Shepard were able to escape. Evidence, both circumstantial and conflicting, led the Territorial Army to attack a band of Apache Mojave Indians at the Dale Creek Reservation in retaliation, but many of the details pertaining to that incident remain a mystery. Tracks found around the scene in the shooting showed that the assailants were walking towards the Dale Creek Reservation, but then abruptly turned away from it towards Wickenburg. Some historians believe that this meant that the true assailants were trying to frame the Indians. By most accounts, the Yavapai Indians were a peaceful group, like you mentioned. Many could not believe that they were responsible for the massacre. Historians also noted that ammunition, livestock, and blankets were left behind on the stagecoach, even though in previous attacks by Indians, these items were all taken. I mean, that could just be a rare instance of an attack by Indians where or Native Americans, 
where the items were left behind. Because I'm pretty sure that does happen and that has happened before. Like maybe they didn't have the time to steal the yeah, items. Yeah, or but then whatever. like the opened mail and then they carefully put it yeah. back. Like a Native that, American. That one. Well, not, I mean, they would not. I know. I, that was the next thing. Oh, I was going to get to sorry, that. Sorry, I kind of spoiled it. <laughs> I fuck so up also, everything. Bags of U.S. mail had been opened along with letters inside them, which is something that Indians would apparently never do during an attack. Yeah, and why would they do it? As well. They don't care about uh, the white man's theories, bullshit. No, they don't care. Several theories have been put forth as to who may have actually caused the Wickenburg Massacre. One theory is that Mexican bandits disguised as Apaches attacked the stagecoach. Another theory is that Kruger and Shepard were actually responsible for the attack and attempt to rob the other passengers. Whenever I see Kruger, I think of Freddy. So I'm just imagining how uh, much uh, more awesome this entire reenactment would be with Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I actually think of one of George Costanza's bosses on Seinfeld. His name was yeah. Kruger. Yeah, he was really funny. So you could have Kruger and Kruger. <laughs> Oof, that was a dad. That was a dad statement if I ever heard one. I know, I know, but I'm just thinking of like the combination of two different Krugers. Freddy and Kruger from Well, I mean, I'm, I, 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 hadn't, I feel like I hadn't really heard a lot of dad stuff from you lately, so it was kind of refreshing to hear that. <laughs> so, uh, they have this theory that Kruger and Shepard were actually responsible for the attack. Some investigators believe that Kruger's story of the attack did not make sense, as it was determined that Kruger's weapon that he was carrying had never been fired. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of uh, logical sense, for sure. I mean, if he actually did fire the gun like he said he did, there would be evidence that he fired the gun. It's just weird that it's like not really known what what they were after because yeah, um, it wasn't the gold or whatever. If no, there, if there, I don't recall if they said there was gold even on no. the wagon. So, it, so it, it was, there was some kind of treasure, though, I guess. I guess they're saying there was some kind of treasure. There was a there's a theory that there was a shipment of gold, but there's no actual proof that there was a shipment of gold. That's another issue with these mysteries and cases that are this old. Like, you don't really have much concrete evidence for things. A lot of it's just written accounts of what happened, and there's no one still around that you can interview. Yeah, right. So it just turns into a bunch of wild theories about what people think might have happened. I I think that the uh, I think that it was a setup by Kruger and, and his prostitute accomplice. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, so there's this researcher Jeff Hammond. He believes that Kruger and Shepard hired the Apaches to assist in the attack. He also believes that Kruger shot several of the other passengers from inside the stagecoach and then later switched guns with uh, one of the victims. Jeff also noted that Kruger's wounds were minor compared to the other victims. He theorizes that there was a shipment of gold on the stagecoach, and after the shooting, Kruger and Shepard buried the gold nearby. Jeff believes that Kruger was planning to come back a few days later to retrieve the gold, but he was unable to do so because of the national interest in the massacre. He didn't think Is that, that the same guy who said that he was a floater? I found that find it kind of funny where where they were 
one of the uh, Wild West experts they interviewed uh, for the segment, one of the historians, he was mentioning how Kruger was a floater. I mean, that, that, that means other stuff besides just a floating turd. I know. I know it does. But you don't, you don't hear floater used as much. Like they say, he floated around from town to town. They just said he he was a floater. I like how that that detail just w- was what stuck with you. I don't even remember him saying that because that's how un <laughs> un. And- I know, but that's just that's just how boring I can be sometimes. <laughs> oh, Mike, don't don't say that. You're a very interesting, gent. Um. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he had this theory that he was going to come back for the gold, but he wasn't able to do so. Because otherwise he was gonna be hanged. Yeah, because he, he was thinking in his mind that it was just gonna be this simple like job, but then it, it gets like this huge like national attention, and you know everyone was already kind of suspecting him of it anyway. And as the one guy put it, if he had gone back there and and got caught, then he would find himself at the other end of a rope. Yeah, which I thought was a very uh, kind of artistic way of saying they're gonna hang his ass. Well, I've, I've heard that a lot though. Uh, about people talking about uh, hangings is, uh, you know, about the end of a rope. Um, after the massacre, uh, records on Molly Shepard are unavailable. Kruger claimed that she died from her wounds in 1872, but there's no evidence that it's been found to support this. So she may have just went on the lamb with him or didn't even die of her wounds. Uh, Kruger was last heard from in 1884 when he attempted to sue the government for money he had lost during the massacre, which I find kind of funny. To this day, there is still debate as to who was truly responsible for the Wickenburg massacre. So, if if he did hide loot, why would he sue the government? Like, wouldn't that bring attention to him? Uh, he's well, you know, if if he can't go out and retrieve retrieve. Retrieve, retrieve the uh, <laughs> the stuff that was buried, then I guess that was his plan B. Well, retrieve sounds like uh, something that somebody would get uh, tattooed on their their body that is meant to say achieve, but because they went to some shady tattoo artist, it just says retrieve anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe maybe that that will be my next tattoo. Just to. <laughs> No, I already have a tattoo that um, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I regret it, but I just like annoyed every time I look at it. So I guess you could call uh-huh. that a regret. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I could never imagine getting a stupid tattoo. Dude, I know I know so many people who get these stupidest tattoos because, of course, I hang out with a lot of the artsy fartsy kids and you know they all everyone's got fucking tattoos of some kind like it's weird to in my circle of people hang out with someone who doesn't have tattoos and Mm -hmm. i see some really stupid ass shit and what annoys me the most is the the people who get the tattoos and it's kind of like dude isn't, isn't this fucking hilarious i got like a chicken sandwich tattooed on my leg and it's like no that's oh come on that's dude stupid as fuck and you're going to regret the fuck what out of that. What is it, a Popeye's chicken sandwich? Now, I had this one friend of mine who just was... He just wanted attention so bad from people, but he like acted like he was this big, burly, tough guy. But like 
he had the personality of like a 15 year old girl like like with with oh, the mood okay. swings and all yeah and he would pout like when he wouldn't get his wet dude he was the biggest man baby i've ever fucking met <laughs> And he had this chicken sandwich tattoo on the back of his cab, and I'm just like, it, it. and he, I think he like even pointed it out to me when we first met. Like he pointed it out as if I'm supposed to be like, oh, dude, no, you didn't. That's awesome. I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, wow, you are are you are fucking stupid. I want to say an even harsher version of stupid that's politically incorrect, but you you can't do that anymore. Um, it rhymes with um, restarted. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, I don't even know how I got on tattoo. Oh, yeah. Anyway, you said that. Yeah, that all came about from me mispronouncing a word. And a famous or one of our famous rabbit trails has been completed. So um, I don't have much else to say about the Wickenburg massacre. Apparently, uh, there's still debate as to who was truly responsible for it. Uh, understandable, since this is one of those mysteries that will never truly be solved because there's not enough evidence, there's not enough anything. Um, but I think what is provided there, uh, I would definitely agree with the theories that it wasn't what Kruger's believed or, or said what happened that he was more than likely involved in some capacity if i was super woke which uh, i'm not but if i were my take on this would be just another example of how white people use their privilege to scapegoat uh brown people and put the blame on them and they go through life with no problems and nothing bad happened to them just typical whitey using his privilege to get away with shit as he's done throughout the entire history. That, that, that's this week's woke perspective. Yeah. But no, I do feel, I do feel that, um, the U S, uh, as a whole, definitely, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's undebatable how, how, uh, we fucked over the native Americans, obviously. Oh, 100%. The trail of tears. Yeah. I mean, mean, like whole thing, and, and when you do some research, you find out that the Native Americans at that time, at least the ones that were uh, living in the United States, they were willing to share their gold. They were willing to do a lot of things in terms of uh, compromises with uh, Americans. And uh, we were just like, no, fuck you. We want it all. Yep. Pretty much, and that's kind of how things still run to this day uh, with the top 1%, you know? It's like, oh, well, we can we can do this compromise, and, and, and everyone can have kind of like, you know, a piece of the pie and, and benefit from it, and the top 1% is like, nope, I need to have, uh, you know, I need to be worth $200 billion instead of only $100 billion. I need to have uh, six summer vacation homes instead of only two. So, uh, fuck you. That HIV medication will remain three hundred dollars a pill. You know, I mean that. That's yeah. That 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 bit is that that is also a pretty distressing bit as well. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of been like the. I mean, when you say early American, it's kind of hard. It's it's like 
what what is even early American because like they we came from all different countries, you know, so it's like you know, it's almost like at that point it, it, or when you break it down early enough, it's like, well, the British actually killed <laughs> all the Native Americans, not really the Americans because I mean, though the country was founded and all that, these people were born and raised in in England and then came here and I'm sure there was uh, you know, some Germans, the Hessian soldiers, and blah blah blah. Anyway, I wonder when I wonder when the uh, British accent transformed into the quote unquote you know American accent. You know, I wonder when that happened. I wonder how like I wonder how uh, long I don't know. Because you know, I mean, like it's 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 interesting because if we came from, you know, if if most uh, Caucasians or a large percentage of them came from you know, England, Scotland, Ireland, all that. Um, Germany, a lot of people got German in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, when, you know, when do you lose that accent? Like, how many years does that take? How do, how do you, like, I get moving from one country to another, but, like, how do you lose your accent and develop this completely different accent that that exists nowhere else except here? And, I guess... Well, nowadays it exists in like Canada. You know, they they sound pretty similar to us. But I I feel like I'm boring everyone right now with this, but um, it's just a random musing of mine. And I hear Mike clicking away on his keyboard, so he's obviously in some other world too. <laughs> so, uh, which is fitting. Yeah, my new keyboard is not very uh, quiet. I gotta be honest. <laughs> is it a mechanical keyboard? A little bit, yeah. I don't know why people are so obsessed with the, the the clicking sounds of the keys. I don't know. It's a it's a gaming keyboard. I it's from Logitech. I like it though. It's really fast. I I like keyboards that are as quiet as possible. Personally, I don't. But there are people. I've out, gotten used to it. There are people out there who like are obsessed with mechanical keyboards because they have that loud click sound. I I, I don't understand. I don't know. Is it an ASMR thing? I don't know. Um, we're about to talk about someone creepy, so Mike automatically knew I wanted to take this case. <laughs> this is a case of Amber Schwartz. She obviously is not the creepy one. Um, she was the poor child. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, here we go. 28-year-old Kim Schwartz was married to police officer Floyd Schwartz and pregnant with their first child when tragedy struck. On May 3rd, 1980, Floyd was shot and killed in the line of duty, which, on its own, gotta suck. You know, just one day he's here, next day he's gone. Definitely. I mean, but that's sadly something that a lot of uh, army wives deal with. Yeah, or police officer wives. Or police officer wives. So a few months later, she gives birth to their daughter named Amber. And it's like already such a sad beginning to, you know, their their family. And then tragedy yep. strikes again. Uh, April, May, June. Like what? Uh, fucking eight, eight years, years later. Eight years and one month later. On June 3rd, 1988, as Kim was making dinner, seven-year-old Amber asked if she could jump rope outside. Although her friend Debbie and her daughter Marissa were coming over in a few minutes, Kim said okay after a lot of, you know, chiding or probing from the daughter. She's like, come on, please, mommy. 
And the last thing she fucking said to her was, I love you. And then she goes, it's like, I, I, like God, it's just brutal. Um, so when the friends showed up at the Schwartz house, they asked where Amber was. Kim and her friends could not find her outside. After searching the neighborhood, they realized that she had been abducted in that, you know, what, five, ten minute period of fucking time that she was outside by, like, who who are the opportunists that are, like, just, are they just, like, circling around, like, like suburban neighborhoods waiting to spot a child by itself so they can just snatch it up? Anyway, clues to Amber's disappearance immediately popped up after uh, she was last seen. The day after her kidnapping, a pair of pink socks were found in a park near her house. Kim believed they belonged to her. They had not been there the night before. FBI agents asked Kim some oddly specific questions, such as, had Amber received anything unusual in the mail? Or, had Amber ever come home with something that she couldn't explain who it came from? Or, have you received phone calls from someone you didn't know? Because they were so specific, she felt that they had to be about somebody. Three days after Amber vanished, a man named Tim Binder showed up at Kim's front door and became extremely emotional about Amber. This guy, I will say, the guy who played him did a really good job. Um, he he played a great creep, and um, the definitely act, the real Tim Binder looks like uh, to me looks like Jim Varney, uh, you know, Ernest. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, you know. Hey, Did Vern. we talk? Hey, Vern, sorry case? that your daughter was uh, adopted, Vern. I'd like to help <laughs> if I could, Vern. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, um, that's a different kind of earnest one. Uh, that would be the actual legitimate Ernest goes to jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ernest, and then the sequel, Ernest gets shanked. <laughs> um, but uh, I think, wasn't uh, Tim Bender, wasn't that covered in... Um, some other documentary that uh, we talked about. Yeah, I know. Or mish, th- there mish. was something. There was something that I that I saw that was uh, very similar to this Tim Bender case with this guy who would have this um, guise of being helpful, but reality was that he was possibly connected to uh, child abduction. Right. So Tim Bender shows up at the door. And he's like, I want to help you find your dearest Amber. I I want to be the one that finds her. And she's like, all right. And then she noticed that his van had Amber's missing posters attached to its sides. She also noticed that its license plate said, I love you. Strangely, when he turned away and looked back at her, he stated, of course, now we're looking for a dead body. This was the first time anyone had said that to her. Feeling creeped out, Tim told him to leave. Kim discovered that he was known to various law enforcement agencies throughout San Francisco area where she resided. She became suspicious of him when she learned that over the course of a decade, several young girls vanished mysteriously along the Interstate 80 corridor. In some of those cases, he took it upon himself to search for them. He was considered a person of interest in all of them. He also questioned it extensively. He was questioned extensively in this one and given a polygraph test. But the results were inconclusive. Kim now believes that pointed questions that she was asked by the FBI agents were about him. Bender's attorney, John Burris, stated that his actions weren't suspicious and that he was just a concerned person who decided to look for missing girls. 
As Kim spent more time with him, she realized that she that he had a dark side. He apparently visited cemeteries, sometimes even in the dead of night, and had an apparent attraction to the graves of specific girls, including five-year-old Angela Bouguet. She was abducted in November 1983 and later found sexually assaulted and strangled to death. Bender was put under surveillance, and the FBI discovered that he went to her grave up to 90 times. Yeah. Probably more than her actual family did. This guy is obsessed with a capital O. Kim decided to stay friends, air quotes, with Bender in order to get closer to him. However, he offered he often left bizarre voicemails that she believed was him, quote, toying with her emotions. He also suggested books to her, which he claimed would help her deal with Amber's disappearance. One was Crime and Punishment, which involves the suspect visiting crime scenes, getting close to victims' families, and trying to get involved with the cases. She felt this was Bender's way of taunting her. Thirteen days after Amber's disappearance, a bloodhound faced Amber's, traced Amber's scent to Angela's grave. The FBI stated that the dog also picked up in Bender's van. However, California courts are often leery about the reliability of bloodhound evidence. Sadly, five months later, after Amber vanished, the area was rocked by another crime, the abduction of nine-year-old Michaela Gerechi from, or Gerech, from a Hayward market. Her friend witnessed the abduction, and investors uh, believe that Bender was in the area at the time of the abduction. Two months later, 13-year-old Eileen Micheloff, Vanished from Dublin, California, and Bender helped in the search. A few years later, a mother in Fairfield called the police and said that her daughter had received mail from Bender. The letters were written backwards and had to be held up to a mirror to be read. That's so creepy! God, what the fuck? Just a few blocks away from their house, four-year-old Nikki Campbell vanished while while she was playing in the driveway. Four days after her disappearance, her set was tracked to Angela's grave. Fairfield police decided to search Bender's house, but found nothing. However, in the wake of the search, a man called Kim. He said that on the afternoon of Amber's disappearance, he had seen a young girl thrown into a car by an unidentified man at Alvarado Park. The witness had his niece write down the man's license plate number, and they called the police. Authorities didn't believe that the unknown man who may have kidnapped Amber was Bender, as the car was traced to a junked vehicle in Los Angeles and the physical description wasn't similar to his. Bender believed his image was tarnished, so he sued the city of Fairfield, and they settled out of court for $90,000. He was not charged in any of the missing girls' disappearances. To this day, Kim continues to search for Amber. She is a creator of the Amber Foundation for Missing Children, which teaches about child abductions and how to prevent them. Amber, Michaela, Eileen, and Nikki remain missing, and Angela's murder remains unsolved. Now, as far as the suspects, Tim Bitter remains the prime one in Amber's disappearance, along with those of uh, Eileen, Michaela, and Nikki. He is considered a suspect because of his odd behavior surrounding them. Amber's scent was also found in his van and at Angela's grave. However, he doesn't fit the description of a man thought to be Amber's kidnapper. So, yeah, uh, this is a really uh, puzzling and honestly surreal case because Tim Bender is just so brazen in what he's doing. And on top of that, there really isn't any concrete evidence 
to actually connect him to their disappearances, except for like the scent. But he could have just, you know, I don't know, been around them. But that in itself is still creepy because you're like, why were you around these kids as much as you were? It's one of those things like, was he really just uh, someone who was trying to do good? I, I doubt it. But uh, maybe in his mind, his idea of what he's doing is uh, is good. And it's one of those things where he's some kind of hero and he and he's not aware of the reception that he's getting from a lot of people when it comes to his creepy behavior. It really does sound like something that is so surreal that it's hard to believe that it's actually real. Like, you think that it's just something that was uh, scripted for uh, a movie or an episode of some TV show or something. Yeah, I don't know. I If I was, like, the dad of one of these missing girls and this fuck stick comes up to my house, I, I, I would have a hard time not laying hands on him knowing, like, that he is always involved when yeah. a, a missing girl case is reported mm-hmm. so the case remains unsolved in june 2002 police dug up the yard of former priest Stephen keisel's vacation home hoping to find more evidence in the case he lived down the street from her at the time of her disappearance he was arrested in may for molesting three girls at a church in freeman jesus christ no pun intended on that one yeah. 14 others came forward and accused him of abuse. Many of the victims matched Amber's age and description. However, no evidence was found at his home. It is not known if he is uh, still a suspect in the case. Then in July of 20 or 2009, God, could I quit hitting the fucking microphone? Inve- <laughs> investigators announced... People was like, my eardrums! Yeah. <laughs> investigators announced that they had identified Amber's killer. In 2007, convicted child rapist and killer Curtis Dean... Anderson confessed to her abduction and subsequent murder. He claimed that he wanted company, quote-unquote, on a road trip to his aunt's house in Arizona. Oh, that's just so disturbing. Very disturbing. Oh, I want company. (laughs) I want companionship on my road trip, so I'm just going to kidnap this girl, this young girl. He was familiar with the Pinole area and spotted Amber in in her uh, front of her yard. After pulling her into his car he drugged her and took her to a motel where he suffocated her oh my god after her death he dumped her body somewhere near benson arizona off highway 10 investors investigators confirmed that anderson was in the pinole area at the time of amber's abduction however they could not find any physical evidence to corroborate the confession anderson said that he purposely taunted cops with false information (sighs) What an asshole. He died in <laughs> like, December 2007, one month after his confession. Good. Prior to his death, he also confessed to several other murders. However, police weren't able to connect any other I crimes I mean, it's him. bad enough that you're a piece of shit who is in jail for uh, raping kids and being a murderer. But you're also just fucking around with cops and giving them stories of conf- and confessions that aren't even necessarily true. This case was officially closed after the announcement was made. In recent years, a petition to reopen the Pinole Police Department's uh, stranger abduction case was launched in fall 2013. 
this one was subsequently reopened. Kim believes that Anderson was lying when he confessed. Investigators are trying to corroborate or refute his confession. Well, took some heat off of Tim Bender. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Tim also seems like a guy who might not be... Like I said, he's not aware of of what he is doing in terms of how it's being perceived by others. So I'm wondering if he might have some uh, issues, uh, some mental illness. Yeah, that's possible. And that's why he goes so far with this whole neighborhood watch to the extreme kind of act. My yeah, my friend's brother is uh schizophrenic, but he's on medication. Mm-hmm. And um he even though he's on medication, he he is a fucking creep. He is he is a real creep. And he doesn't like realize like he doesn't have the skills the capacity. Yeah, the capacity, I guess is a better way to put it. He doesn't have the capacity to realize that that it's not okay like what he's doing and how creepy he's being um, because he just says stuff like, I don't care whenever like his family, mm-hmm. you know, my, my friend, you know, which is his sister. He's like, dude, that's creepy. Like girls don't like that. Don't do that. He's like, well, why not? Ha ha ha. Like he's just, he's fucking creepy. Um, and yeah, it's like, he's mentally kind of, you know, not all there. Um, even though he's, you know, taking medication and all that. I mean, this guy uh, has creeped so many fucking people out that that there was this, like, Facebook thing that was shared on wow. him. And it got shared, like, 200 times. Damn. <laughs> it had, like, 100 comments on it of people who had spotted him in Riverside. And, like, everyone's saying, like, all this horrible shit about him. And, like, I want to jump in and be like, man, this this dude's got, like... This dude's not well mentally. Like, he's got problems. So it's, I mean, it's like one uh-huh. of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't excuse the actions, but it's like, you know, come on, cut him a little slack. You know, he's not, like, mentally all there. You know, he doesn't, he hasn't mm-hmm. realized that, you know, anyway, whatever. Yeah. So that, well, <laughs> all that to say that maybe that's the case with uh, Bim Tinder. Yeah. I think Bim Tinder is a uh, cooler name than Tim Bender. <laughs> Sounds like someone's pseudonym for their Tinder page or something. It could be his pseudonym for if he's uh, you know, if he's still alive and if he's on Tinder. Yeah, I don't necessarily believe that Tim is actually involved in the disappearances. I think it's just one of those cases where He's connected to it because he's so close to these uh, to this case. And there is there is some uh, evidence uh, that might suggest that he could be uh, a pedophile. But I don't really know 100 percent for sure. I just think it's one of those things where he doesn't know that he's not helping as much as he thinks. I think that's really what this comes down to. Yeah, it just kind of adds insult to injury that these families are going through this shit, and now they got to babysit this fucking idiot. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, this is the kind of case that definitely does make you even more paranoid. Now you're paranoid of the helpful neighbor, as well as the, the person who might just 
decide that they want to have company one day and abduct abduct your kid and then suffocate them in a hotel room and then leave them for dead. No wonder a lot of parents don't want their kids to be playing outside. Well, I mean, alone. you know, like fuck, <laughs> you know, like they. You always hear the old timers say, like, "Oh, back back in my day, you know, you could you could play around outside and it was fine. And you didn't have to worry about this, that, and the other happening." And um, I mean, maybe that that was true, but um, I think after people seeing enough shows like Unsolved Mysteries, they kind of. Kind of made him think twice about, you know, allowing that to happen, I guess. Uh-huh. Speaking of things uh, uh, that uh, you uh, think twice about, um, aren't there a lot of those in uh, the Josh Flower Diaries? <laughs> there sure are, Mike. Um, I'm trying to find my last entry. So this is the perks of being a Josh Flower. I found these old diaries that i wrote in online on zanga.com back in the day when that was a thing and i wrote in that fucking diary for like a long time like 10 years and um so i've been reading posts from that you guys seem to like it you know i enjoy some aspects of it some aspects are kind of hard to read but you know it is what it is i think it's fascinating to go through shit that i kind of forgot about um so now we resume. I should uh disclaimer if I use any politically incorrect terminology. That's just how I talked back then and uh, I have grown as an individual since then. So we are picking up on Saturday, December 16th, 2006. And um uh this hit is for you Tony. This one's just for you. This fat hit of my vape cuz he loves listening to hit my vape into the microphone. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. It's the lungs just right. All right. <laughs> Things went okay tonight with Vera. Vera was the Russian chick I mentioned last week that I met who I was like totally into because she was super hot. Things went okay tonight with Vera. We broke the fuck out of her door. I'm feeling insecure again about her. When I left, there were some guys who came over to her house with another girl. She said she didn't do anything, but I don't know. I got to work all next week and I really don't want to. I just want to hang out with her, smiley face emoticon. She makes me happy for now. The t- uh, the topic of if we are official or not is still dancing around in my head. I wish I knew for sure if we were going out in her opinion. In mine, we are, but you can't trust fucking girls. I fucking get so tired of them. OMG. But me and Vera have been really getting active sexually. I think w- we will be close to having sex soon, but I don't know yet. Because it gets to a certain point with her, and we never go any further. I wish I knew if she liked me or not. I mean, I know she does, but I don't know. I feel so insecure right now. It's so late. Oh my gosh. It's 1.30 in the morning, and I gotta go to work tomorrow. I need to get the fuck off this computer. It's just wasting my time. Okay, bye for whoever reads this. Hey, at least you came to the realization that you need to get the fuck off the computer. I mean, there's a plus there. How often does that happen when somebody's on the computer and they're venting or they're doing whatever? I mean, for instance, I vented about uh, a Lyft driver because he took so long and I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? I need to get to work and I was going to be late. And then I got picked up by the guy and he explained things and I was uh, and then it really wasn't entirely his fault. It was this other passenger who decided to do this last minute 
oh, I need to stop over here kind of bullshit. So it wasn't necessarily entirely his fault. And then on top of that, I got to know him a little bit more. He's got kids who are on the autism spectrum. Uh, and uh, I shared my life story and things like that. And apparently from what I was telling him, I gave him hope and, and made him feel a lot better about his situation. Well, that's good. So I deleted that post immediately when I got home from Facebook because I was like, yeah, that's that's not I don't need that up there. So sometimes it is a good idea to just take a step back and get off the Internet instead of just like venting on your phone or social media or whatever. I like how back then I thought one thirty in the morning was late. <laughs> Yeah, that's not late at all. <laughs> not not now. That's, Shit. That's, that's like, nothing. I still got like 30, 30 minutes to be at the bar at one thirty. Well, here yeah. in Florida, at least. <laughs> well, in Duval County, because fuck, in Miami, they stay open until 4 a.m., which is fucking awesome. Damn. Wish they did that here. Um, All right. Friday, January 19th, 2007. See, it's jumping around again. I, I think it means to say, oh, okay, January. So it was December 16th. Now it's January of, the, of 2007. All right. My last year in high school. Basically, Vera is always. That was my last year. I, I think I graduated. Yeah, I graduated in 07. Yep, me too. That's why we're around the same age. Yep. Class of 007. That's what that they had a whole James Bond theme from my high oh, school. Oh, that's clever. I wish we had thought about it. We, we didn't have any any cool shit. It was a private Christian school. Of course, nothing was going to be cool. We're not going to do James Bond theme either because that's uh, that's not Christ-like. It's uh, secular. <laughs> All right. Anyway, basi- this is my entry. Basically, Vera is always going to love her boyfriend in Russia, so I'm moving on. I got into the band Centenic. And I went on a ski. Nice. I got. I went on a ski trip this week. I just need to sit and collect myself before I wreck myself. See y'all later. Oh. <laughs> collect myself before I wreck myself. Classy. All right. This yeah. next one is. It says January fifth, two thousand eight. So again, the dates are getting like inaccurate here. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is. Uh, uh, well, this has got to be two thousand and seven. Um. Anyway. Uh, this is kind of a longer one. Damn, I need to update this thing just for the sake of keeping decent records of my life for the past three years. Well, I got into the band Centenic, and everything really is going good. This is seriously a legitimate band. Like, I could actually see myself going so- somewhere with these guys. And this isn't Im- immature, inexperienced Josh talking. This is seasoned musician musician Josh talking. Oh, yeah, cause, oh, because, okay. you know, at 17 I was, I was or 18, I was so seasoned. So, such a seasoned musician, little little peckerhead. But yeah, me and Vera are barely even speaking, so I don't think I'll have one of those passionate makeout nights ever again. Ha! <laughs> you fucking loser. Passionate makeout night. <laughs> Which is really sad, because I really did kind of sort of love her a little bit, maybe, and I miss her so much, I wish she wouldn't fucking be a stupid-ass bitch. But then she really wouldn't be Vera, would she? Ooh... The whole reason she got mad at me was because her and her boyfriend split up for a few days, and she was really sad in between those days. So I was trying to console her via the telephone, and I was telling her she had to move on, in uh, quotations, in parentheses, I go, to me, in all caps, and how she should forget about him. 
And she was just listening, or so it seemed. But then I think she said something to the effect of, well, I know me and him will always be together. So that pissed me off. But I think I just blew it off. Well, the night of my first concert with Centenic, which was like January 20th, I believe, she called me and she was like, guess what? And I'm like, what? And she goes, me and my boyfriend are back together. Everything is perfect. And then I say, why the fuck are you telling me this? And then Vera, fine, go fuck yourself. Bye. Then after that happened, I just started examining why the fuck I even talked to her. She always did shit like that, so I blocked her from my phone and went on the ski trip, but on the way back I got lonely and called her, and she was pissed, and she said, you told me everything was going to be okay, between her and her boyfriend. Then as soon as I called you and told you everything okay, everything was okay, you just got mad. And she's right, that was messed up of me to get mad, because she was turning to me, and all I did was freak out on her. But I fucking like her, and I don't give a flying fuck if her stupid-ass fucking boyfriend and her got back together. I really don't. But yeah, anyways, uh, I'm just trying to get a girl again, I guess. But uh, Stephanie just broke up with her boyfriend, Chris, so I thought that would that would be my chance. Not really. She still doesn't fucking kiss. She thinks it's gross, which I think is a pile of shit. I don't think I want to... Uh, I don't think I want to go out with her anyway, though. She's not... She's got some really fucked up ways about her. She's a great friend, but not girlfriend. I couldn't go out with a girl who was afraid to kiss or who didn't like to whatever. Then there's Nikki. I'm not climbing up that tree again, but I know I can get sex from her, and I love sex, so I might try to get a bang session from her, but that's it. But I don't think that's going to happen because she's dating this Ricky guy. Then there is Casey, my sweet Casey. I would love to go back out with her, and she gets her license soon. I never thought I'd see the day that that would happen, but maybe something will happen between me and her, unless she's gay and just wants to be friends or some bullshit like that. But I'm ready for it regardless. My relationship with God isn't great right now. I'm trying, though. I want to start going to church. I'm still smoking. It's gotten worse, too. My brother was right when he said, Josh, when you can buy cigarettes yourself, then your habit is going to get so much worse. And I was thinking, nah, he's full of shit. I'm only smoking two a day. Well, now I'm fighting to only smoke four a day. That's pretty bad. But I don't want to quit, though. I have no reason to as of right now, except always getting sick and having sore throats. But I'm hoping that will stop. <laughs> it's, it's, no. It's getting, it's <laughs> like, I don't have any reason to quit, except for always having sore throats and being sick all the time. That, But besides that, everything's great. It's getting so annoying t- uh, taking my eyebrow piercing out every day before school and forcing it back in every day after school at Chad's house. I go to Chad's house every day after school. He's a cool kid, but he changes every week depending on who he is hanging out with. He did want to start taking steroids just because he hung out with those muscle heads who did that stuff. But anyway, I really must be going now. I have to go to fucking Great Raps. I'm so sick of that job. I hate customers. No, people in general. People eat shit. That or People equal shit. That rings true for me. But anyways, I know nobody reads this, but it's just for me, and that's fine. Good night, America. I'm proud to be in America. Fuck Russia. Fuck all those other places. America is the best. Wow. Okay. Oh, we'll throw in a little, little shade at Vera there. Um, don't, don't you love how, like, in in the mind of 18-year-old Josh, women were bitches if they didn't like me or if they didn't give me what I wanted. And also, it didn't matter who the, the, the woman was. As long as a woman was there and letting me, like, you know, kiss them or spend time with me or... 
even best have sex with them as long as it as as someone was letting me do that that's all that mattered to me back then it didn't matter the personality it didn't matter if we had a real connection just as long as anyone was giving me the the time of day like classic just pathetic person syndrome but oh no man Vera would always toy with me like that. She would like make it. She would be like all flirty with me and be like, "Me and my boyfriend are back together. I'm so happy." And I'm like, "Wow." Um. All right. I'll read one last one and then we'll call it a day. Um. <laughs> all right. This is the last one, and then I, then I'm out. <laughs> uh, Friday, March 9th, two thousand seven. Guess I'll update this beast. Why not? So. Man, this feels kind of awkward. I haven't typed on this thing in a while. I'm not used to it. Okay, well, the band has been going good lately. We played a show March 3rd at Bubba's Lounge, and I fucking lost my Primus hoodie there. Fuck, man. That bitch was $60, and you can only get it from that particular Primus show. Fuck, fuck, fuck. That fucking sucks. That seems like a money hole. A lot of that exclusive merch that you get at, at the concert. I mean, it's the only way the bands make money these days because the venues yeah. don't pay and the. But I mean, back then, probably wasn't. I'm telling you, that's how Primus probably makes most of their money on the road is for merch. I don't have yeah. a problem with it. I get that that's how it goes. Um. Anyway, I go on to say, this whole post isn't about my hoodie, but anyways, um, the girl situation still not looking that good at all. I went to Caroline's house um, last Friday. Yeah, it was fun. I didn't try anything. I didn't even think of anything sexual. And I found I had a better time because of it. When your mind gets flooded with fucking sexual thoughts, it just perverts everything and you're not really, uh, you're not in reality anymore. I got to work on that, but I'm so eager since all my friends have or are having some kind of relationship and I'm not. But I know it has happened for me in the past, like a few months ago, but not recently. Uh, but I've had my piece of cake, uh, so I'm okay for now. But I'm 18. I feel like I should be getting something, and there's so much pressure in our society for certain things to happen at certain times. Like, you're 18. Oh, shit. You should be partying and going to college and going steady and meeting girls and fucking since you are at your sexual peak. And when I fail to meet these standards, I feel inadequate. If I would just live for myself, I would be better off, but it's hard to always do that. Uh, when you are constantly being bombarded by all sides with things that are contrary to your own beliefs. Oh, well, you know, um, I just have been putting money on this Casey thing in the back of my mind because she has her fucking license now. The whole plan was when she got her license, we would be back together again. But she has not made one fucking fatal attempt to see me. But I mean, why would she? She has moved on, and it's not that I haven't. But it's like slim pickings, so it's either her or I wait for a year for another girlfriend. So I'm just trying to sow my wild oats, I guess. And like every fucking girl I would like, uh, and and would let, and fuck every girl I would like, basically. To oh wait, to maybe God, this fucking grammar is awful. And like every <laughs> fucking girl I would like to maybe start talking to has a fucking douchebag boyfriend that they would die for. And for anyone reading this, I know you think your boyfriend is God's gift and is not a douchebag, and this is going to be your main focus of the entry. But listen, I'm speaking in generalities here. This is me venting. Okay, so like I was saying, there's like four or five different girls I would like to have started talking to this year, but the whole boyfriend thing is rampant. 
I'm trying to learn learn more German. I'd say the biggest th- things I the biggest is that going to help you get those girls. <laughs> I think it's just you, I think it's just you, a tangent. I know, but can you imagine if I just yeah, if got I just my could German. learn German, all these English girl or all these American girls would love me. I'd say the biggest lie I've kept up with everyone is 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 admitting to know more German than I actually do. I really just started to learn it four years ago, very on and off. But now I have a new passion for it and, and learning more and more. Und ich bin freulich für jetzt. I'm happy for now. But anyway, man, fucking pointless rants about girls. Yeah, and Nikki is wanting to hang out with me now. Fuck that shit. I'm done with her, man. I'm done with that shit. I'm not wanting anything to do with her. I'm not attracted to her mentally. Well, you're not done with it's Casey, right? No, no. That's that's the <laughs> that's the white great white white whale. Uh, I'm not great white buffalo. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> mentally, physically, or emotionally attracted to her anymore. And that song by Tool got stuck in my head again for a little bit, but I'm fighting Damn. it. <laughs> over the that su- fucking song, man. <laughs> yeah, over the summer that song got stuck in my head to. Uh, a point of it being fucking scary. It got to where it was controlling my life. I was depressed all the time and everything. But what happened was more complicated than a song getting stuck in my head. It is me. It's not the song. I need something to bother me. I need something to have me fucked up. And my mind, lo- mind looks for anything in the outside world or inside myself to fuck with me. And it used to be unwanted blasphemous thoughts. And then it was me having panic attacks. Before that, it was nervous stomachs. But never ha- had I encountered this new form of mental torture. Anytime my mind was blank, that song would insert itself in my mind, taunting me, making me think I was losing my fucking mind. But it wasn't just my brain's way of keeping itself busy. Or, but it, it was just my brain's way of keeping itself busy. Idle time in my mind is the playground for destruction, but I'm getting over it now. The stimulus is weakening. I just had a spontaneous recovery of that affliction, and it happens all... And it happens with all my mental ailments. But yeah, we are off from school tomorrow, which is Thursday. Friday, and of course the weekend. And I ain't got shit planned for Thursday or tonight. I guess I'm just staying in tonight, but tomorrow I need to find plans. Okay, well this is getting old for real, so I'm gonna head out. And remember, the entries made in this Zenga are are particularly and specifically on the grounds of how I feel emotionally and mentally at that very point in time and has no tangible bearing on how I feel all the time or even any of the time past this exact point. Hey, that's like the perfect disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. I, that was me covering my ass for uh, when 32-year-old Josh revisits, <laughs> revisits my awkward and dark past. Well, shit, I've got to get going to my karaoke gig, so we're going to have to... Yeah. Cut it a little short this week, guys. But at least I'm just—I mean, that's uh, that's happened before. Um, I, I think uh, we didn't have much else uh, to really add to a lot of things. We wanted to have a more streamlined podcast. Uh, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you already know our social media. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. It should be communication. Oh, I can still go through the bullshit at the end real quick. Um... Yeah. <laughs> If you want to subscribe to us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Once again, that's uncovering unexplained mysteries for $3. You get the podcast early. You will most definitely get it early this week. Um, for $5, you can tell us what the fuck you want us to cover on the show, and you get it early. Um, 
We are on uh, Facebook. If you want to search Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar, go to the Facebook Groups tab, and you can find our group. It's a great group, fantastic group. Uh, everyone's saying they haven't seen anything like it, to quote Donald Trump. Um, and if you want to watch me and Mike separately, but equally, we are on YouTube. Mike's YouTube page is youtube.com slash OCP Communications. Once again, that's youtube.com slash OCP Communications. Mike, briefly, what was the last video you did? Last video I uploaded is a mini rant on what I like to call Looney Tunes Madness. I talked about the cancellation of Pepe Le Pew, as well as a bunch of other things that uh, I just find to be honestly pretty crazy and ridiculous when it comes to the Looney Tunes and uh, political correctness. Mike, have, have, uh, have the right wingers taken, have they stolen the word cancel culture? Uh, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about there. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. I thought you were trying to go with the Foghorn Leghorn impression there, and you're trying to be like, have they canceled Foghorn Leghorn yet? Oh, no, not Foghorn. <laughs> Sorry, I get a little impassioned. Uh, anyway, that's Mike's YouTube channel. My YouTube, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. Once again, that's youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. I do a bunch of music-related stuff. Uh, that's where my band's music videos are, but I also do like little documentary style videos, and I rate albums and do tier lists. The last video I did was ranking all of Led Zeppelin's albums from the A to D tiers, uh, so go and check that out. And yeah, I think that's it. Until next time, I gotta go and host my most unruliest gig of the week. I already have butterflies in my stomach thinking about going to this fucking gig. There's gonna be so many fuckers there who are impatient. Anyway... Hope you guys have a better time than me. (laughs) Have a good rest of your week. Bye. See ya.